Um, I can share. Um, so I kind of, when I, when I did this, I, and I, I've done this many times, um, but as I did it this last week, it was, um, it was really powerful in, um, opening my mind to like the numbers of praying for the like global strength. Um, it connected to me stronger that the more of us that are doing that, we enter on a higher vibration of that prayer. And um, even just thinking that all of us here in the study group were collectively entering in this prayer of one purpose and one mind um, and one heart, I felt it so deeply. I felt it, you know, spread across the United States, across the world. I, I saw like different places gathering together in that purpose. And it is really amazing, the power of prayer and, and prayer warriors, people that actually gather together in numbers, the, the protection, the safety, the, the powers of heaven that literally pour down when multiple people are praying for the same purpose. Um, similar to, you know, the prophet's 11 minute, um, talk that he gave, like, that's what we all did there. We all collectively gathered in, in one mind and one heart and the power was like palpable. And so I just, I don't know, thank you for extending that to us. And, and maybe as we continue to pray with, with bigger hearts and bigger purposes, we can collectively pull that power into the state of our world right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. All right. <clears throat> so as we're, we're jumping into chapter nine, uh, we're, we're talking all about temples and, and all of the examples of temple building uh, that Abraham completed throughout his life, um, but especially in this specific time frame here. Um, it seems that, that after Sodom and Gomorrah and um, that, that change in location, etc., that he just goes into temple building mode and uh, kind of um, resonating that with our day where, um, you know, President Hinckley and, and Forward uh, were just massively increasing the number of temples and, and preparing for Zion, uh, trying to um, beautify and, and fortify the, the world with these structures and, and these places uh, where God can abide. Um, so first off, just kind of uh, going into this king of, of Gerar or Gerar, whatever it is. Um, very interesting. I had never heard this story repeated where Sarah is again captured and, and taken and um, uh, just exact same as what happened down in, in Egypt. Uh, interesting <laughs> parallels here. Why, do, why does this happen again to, to Abraham and Sarah? And uh, what's significant about this time versus the last time? What all did you find as you were reading uh, this section and, and read this, this new experience that they uh, encounter? I don't know the answer to that, but my question is, why did she say that she was her, his sister? Mm -hmm. Like that, was it to spare her life or something? Or why would she say that? Possibly as, as uh, pointing back to the, the Egyptian experience where that was very much to uh, 
spare her life during that, that circumstance. He might have killed Abraham had he said that, uh, had she said that uh, she was already married kind of thing. Oh, well, that's easy to fix. Let's just kill the husband kind of thing. I don't, we don't get the that same insight in this story as we do the last one, but it's just very interesting, the, the parallels there. Yeah, that's wild. I, I was really surprised that the it happened a second time. I wondered if there was a reason it happened a second time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, why do we get a repeat test? You know, uh, earlier, this was when she was younger, and, and now she's uh, very much older, <laughs> you know, still... Uh, one of those desirable old women that <laughs> these these kings are fawning over kind of thing. <laughs> it's just, it seems very interesting, the timing here. And think back to our previous chapter where uh, Hagar uh, is has conceived or possibly even born Ishmael at this point, and in where Sarah uh, just got visited by the three visitors, Melchizedek and his counselors, and now um, we're, we're having a repeat scenario. Uh, where she's taken uh, captive, captive, I don't know if that's the, the right word, but but taken to, to be a, a queen, a second chance at um, at denying her husband and the blessings and, and God and etc. Uh, it's very interesting uh, how how this all plays out. Um, but I going back, uh, not that we uh, need to to revisit, but um, I, I find this quote very interesting on, on page 190 uh, around uh, footnote, well, it's footnote number seven, um, where as Solomon Gomorrah is wiped out and, um, you know, they're, they're really old to be moving, you know, how hard is it to, to pick up and move your, your whole household, your whole kind of city kind of thing, yet even at, at such an old age, um, uh, Abraham exclaims, why should hospitality seem cease from my house? And, and they are picking up and moving so that they can still do missionary work. It'd be very easy to just kind of retire at this point and like, I'm so done with, with things. I just want a, an easy life with, with all of this, all of these things that the Lord has blessed me with kind of thing. But yet he is, is always the constant missionary, the, the constant friend of God. And um, and then to pick up and move and then have the same trial happen again with, with his wife, Sarah. I mean, <laughs> just the, the faith that Abraham exhibits throughout this whole thing. Uh, but it, it's interesting, having gone through it prior, what were they thinking the second time? Like, oh, this is, this is old news. He'll get a dream and then we'll fix things and we'll bless it and it'll all be good, whatever. <laughs> but um, very interesting how that even replicates from the Egypt experience where Abimelech receives a dream and um, it's not the exact same dream but, but similar and that Abraham is able to to use his his priesthood in order to bless and and restore the situation uh, I don't know a very interesting uh, scenario that's that's playing out here well and what I thought was so neat is, well, towards the end of the page, um, page 191, it talks about how perhaps the encounter was to bring the king or the pharaoh. He was a king, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the but, king of Gerar or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, to bring him the gospel and to understand who Abraham is. And um, 
for that power to be felt. But then as you, as you read and it talks about how he wasn't able to go to Sarah because he got sick and that um, no one was able to conceive during that time. And it just made me reflect on my own life in that we have a lot of the same trials around the same topics or issues, if you will. Um, a lot of them are to see how we're progressing and growing. Sometimes it's when we're not learning the lesson or we're not getting the gift that we're supposed to be receiving from the trial, that it's presented maybe in a new way and we're learning and enhancing and growing more and more and more, um, gathering that strength to handle the next time it comes around even a little bit better. And so I was just, it made me reflect because I'm wondering as, as Sarah's going through this and is she sitting there seeing the miracles and counting the blessings of this illness and the protection that she had while she was captive and feeling the power of the Lord right in front of her eyes going through this trial. Um, it's just opened up perspective with trials and what did they really understand about it as they were going through it? What were the gifts and the blessings and the learnings that they gathered? There's had to have been so many, especially with it being the second experience that was so similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that because uh, sometimes it, it seems that, that we keep getting tested and tried in the exact same ways. And it's like, oh my word, haven't I proven myself that I can make it through this? Like, but uh, here, Abraham and Sarah are like kind of that, that pattern that, um, you know, like once, twice, three times, like, are you really going to stick with it? Or uh, is it going to, to become... Uh, a stumbling block at some point kind of thing and uh, anyway a, a repetition is is an interesting pattern that the lord uses in in our trials no. that was kind of the grading system i was talking about last week which is probably totally confusing but you know the first time you get that trial or test you're like i got an f that was an f for sure <laughs> you know and then the next time it comes around you're like oh i think i got a d plus okay it's better than the last time <laughs> you know and you're just constantly progressing and then the next time you're like i see you i want an a here we go <laughs> you know yeah. and that's kind of the progression of trials is just really looking at them when they come and looking at all the the different angles of the 360 view and how you can learn and grow and get as much as you can out of it for strength and and testing you know Mm -hmm. But that, that kind of is like the purpose of what I said last week, but I think I described it really bad. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it follows um, the Isaiah principle very well. As I'm starting to read Isaiah Decoded, preparing for our next one, there is this uh, humiliation exaltation cycle that he, he won't throw us into full on trials until we're ready for them but he definitely gets us prepared and, and starts throwing us into um the shallow end even though it seems really deep but um he'll uh, a loving heavenly father that that really does um have it all mapped out for us ready to go and uh, sometimes it just seems so uh, crazy but if we look back um, some of the the previous trials seem like like nothing compared to the the ones that we're currently facing it's definitely a progression and, and stuff yeah like like you said with the the grades I, I love that um uh metaphor or tie in there that yeah okay I got it seems like 
on a daily basis, I'm, I'm going all over the place. Okay, I got an A in this one and an F in that one. And then on the next day, it's a complete opposite. Um, I, I've often wondered uh, earlier years of like, why can't we just master something? Like, why is that so hard to remember? Why, why is that one of the, the mortal um, or natural man things that we just can't remember um, some of these lessons that we learn on a daily basis and start implementing all of them? But uh, it's on the quest to, to be perfect that um, it, it seems impossible, but yet as we're, we're moving and progressing, it, it, it gets easier as the trials progress to uh, to have a more firm resolve and use faith throughout the unknown that, that comes our way. All right, so then, um, yeah, then uh, Sarah finally, um, well, let's, let's not move on from, from Beersheba just yet, or from Abimelech. So um, I, it's interesting that Abraham now, has a, a higher power and, and it points this out specifically from this occurrence from the Egypt one that um, through Abraham's prayer that Abimelech's wife and uh, those around that were having troubles conceiving he was able to bless them and they were able to actually bear children and that doesn't um, mention that specifically in the, the Egypt case but that's a different point of this story that um, uh, kind of shows Abraham's progression through the years and the priesthood power that he's able to call down and bless and, and everything. Uh, interesting to kind of tie those two stories to, together and compare and contrast them. Um, but I love, love, love um, the footnote uh, for 19. Well, the quote that uh, ties into 19 there, uh, that he who prays on his neighbor's behalf, himself being in need of the very thing, is himself answered first. I find that that's an interesting principle. And I wrote down uh, all throughout this book, I'm, I'm writing little, um, I have a little symbol here in my margins um, that uh, is this a divine law? As President Nelson asks us to seek divine laws, <clears throat> what are the, the laws upon which blessings are predicated? And I wonder if this is an actual law that if we pray for our neighbor and us being in the need of the very thing itself, are we always blessed with that thing first so that we can share it kind of a thing? Uh, anyway, uh, I'm trying to put that one into practice and, and see if that is a divine law. It, it seems very true. Uh, I, I've seen it in, in uh, certain things in the past, but um, uh, anyway, just interesting studying divine laws and, and what blessings come as we um, obey certain things and, and the blessings that come from them. Yeah, so quick question about that. I, I've i been doing a, a search, I guess, on matching up the godly laws or the laws of God to the God, the blessings of God and how they match up and what law pertains to the blessing and, and what those equal, right? And mm -hmm. um, so I guess, do you have, what information do you have? <laughs> Feed me, I want to eat. <laughs> I, mean, I have kind of a rudimentary list of different things that I've kind of collected here and there. Um, something that comes to mind is Elle has a, a few posts on the Learning Zion website of 
similar things with laws and, and those things. Um, there's a book by oh, Sterling W. Sill. He was an apostle uh, a little bit back, and, and he has a, a book on divine law. I, I forget what the actual name of the, the book is called. I just ordered it and got it, but I don't know where it's at to grab it real quick. But um, yeah, uh, I'll start collecting those. They're on post-it notes all scattered throughout my house. I'm very disorganized. I need to be better at my learning. But um, but yeah, just different divine laws and, and what they do. Um, all throughout this book, I found lots of different uh, like things from Jewish wisdom or the rabbis said this or whatever that seem like divine law. And, and this being one of them, uh, that when you do this, you get blessed with this. And so uh, trying to, to put together like a full on list of those um, delineated out, uh, I have yet to do, but, but I'll, I'll try to do that this week and, and, and share it with you. Yeah, and I, um, I've started a document of it. I need to go through and, and look at it too, but will you send me that book that you ordered as well? Uh-huh, yeah. Just whenever you find it. I've been really, um, I've been really trying to study the law of the harvest and just different laws that we are given that are godly laws that are the same here and on the other side. And so anything would be awesome to help me with what I'm seeking. And I'll, I'm happy to share what I've gathered too and, and whatnot. So. Yeah. So L typed in the chat, the, the laws of success by Sterling Sills. And I think that he has another one called the law of the harvest as well. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. I find that he has a lot of great information. Okay. Um, I've read The Law of the Harvest. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you like it? What, what do you think about it? It's been many years ago, but um, I'm, I'll look and see if I can find it. Mm -hmm. I, I have four bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I'm starting yeah. to think. Got so many books, I don't have enough time to read them. Yeah. So something that I was kind of like led to um, in understanding the different laws and the blessings that come with them is, um, you know, at, at night, at every night when you're reconciling your day with the Lord and, um, you know, maybe you weren't as patient with your children. <laughs> That's me. Um, <laughs> they called right at the wrong time and need everything under the sun. And it's like okay, let's do it. But inside, I'm just like not handling it well. So, you know, as I pull all this matter that I've put out into the universe, into the world, into um, the universe and try and gather some of that negative energy back and rework it and re-collect um, it and turn it into positivity, um, whether that means cleaning it up with my, my kid if I was a little bit um, short-tempered or if I had you know, rude thoughts about the timing of something, anything that wasn't um, godly or Christ-like attribute that I'm seeking, I'll pull those together and try to reconcile them, whether it's with another person or within myself, um, and shift it over to a positive outgiving, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, along with that, I would love to know the laws that govern the, th the feelings kind of like with what you're talking about, you know, there's everything we will be held accountable for and the law of the harvest is what you give out, you will receive back. And so same thing with your negative energy or your, you know, anger or anything else that you're, you're putting out there, 
at some point it has to be reconciled into light. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. I don't know why, but there you are. Sure. Yeah, if I find anything uh, more on that and I'll gather kind of what I've, I've collected as well over some of the stuff, it might be kind of hard to take me a while, but yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so yeah, um, interesting, not interesting, but um, hey, Aaron, uh, yeah. Uh, I heard a story by uh, at the. Uh, I think we're frozen. Frozen. Um, we can hear you and everything. You can hear me. All right. Uh, Elder Bednar was doing a fireside and he was taking some uh, uh, questions from the audience. One of the members of the audience asked, what do I need to do to learn to get all the spiritual gifts? So the student wanted to know how to get spiritual gifts as if, uh, you know, it was like uh, collecting Pokemon cards or something. Mm -hmm. And as I sat and thought about that question, um, I don't know, I don't remember exactly how Elder Bednar answered it, but to me, if I wanted to get the gift of healing or the gift of tongues or the gift of whatever that long list was, I wouldn't ask the Lord for the gift. Mm -hmm. I would ask the Lord to give me the responsibility and the task to do whatever it is the gift needed to have. So if I wanted the gift of healing, then I would want, I'd ask the Lord to give me lots of learning and uh, people to heal. Mm -hmm. And then once I'd created the problem, then I'd let the Lord figure out the solution. <laughs> yep. And then if I wanted, if I really wanted other gifts, then I would, I would make myself more valuable to the Lord, then he would give you the gift. So it's kind of like uh, you got to, if you want the gift, you got to do all the work ahead of time and, and, and make yourself desirable to the Lord. And then he'll give you the gift so that he can be more efficient. Mm -hmm. And so that you can do things for him. You're, you know, he doesn't just give you gifts so that. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it paused on you. I <laughs> it stopped right as uh, he doesn't give you the gifts, but uh, we got kind of the gist of it where uh, he gives you the gifts so that you can actually build Zion with those gifts. Uh, I think that that's a, an important principle there. That anytime and be prepared uh, for it to drop down. <laughs> you are going to ask for that gift. Be prepared because it is going to come. And you're going to get your feet swept out from under you and you're going to figure it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, we always kind of say it tongue in cheek. You're like, never pray for this. But it's like, no, we should be praying for that. Just be prepared. <laughs> get ready as, as it's coming. Uh, sometimes we pray for things without being fully prepared. And, you know, I, I don't think the Lord always gives us the full measure of it when we're not. But, you know, he, he does answer prayers. He, he'll send stuff when when we, when we want it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, transitioning into, uh, Sarah conceiving here on, on page 192 and, um, talking about the, the 37 long years that had elapsed since God promised, uh, God's promise to Abraham for a glorious posterity. Uh, you know, there's so many years of waiting and, and hoping and wishing and, 
uh, you know, kind of reiterating of the little breadcrumbs here and there, like, yes, you're going to get it. Just be patient. Yes, you're going to get it. Just be patient. Um, but uh, I just found that such a, a relieving part in the book because in the story of Abraham and Sarah that, that I knew before reading uh, this commentary, it, it was just like, oh, it seems like it happens. You know, it says that they had to wait, but uh, eventually it happens and boom, boom, done kind of thing. But here, throughout this book, it's just, it's just this long, arduous process of waiting for the children. And then finally it's here and we're so excited. Um, I, I just find myself like uh, being happy and overfilled with joy for Sarah at this moment, reliving that with her. Um, but it, interesting to note the, the comparison here, uh, the whole uh, experience with Abimelech and uh, healing those uh, women uh, who were infertile or had the inability to conceive, and that that was a blessing that was uh, foreshadowing what would happen to Abraham and Sarah and the renewing of their bodies so that they could conceive at such an old age and throughout all of the, the challenges that they had. Uh, anyway, just opening up the discussion for the, the renewing of the bodies and how we see that playing out in, in our day with um, our beloved prophet or uh, any other examples that, that you have or have seen or, or heard about. Uh, when do we see this renewing of the bodies and, and how is that important? And are we able to, to receive those same blessings or is that just a prophetic thing? Are you talking about renewal in the body as as her being able to give birth, or what? What specifically are you? Uh, yeah, just just kind of a blanket uh, renewal of the bodies. Anytime we hear that phrase, sometimes it's mentioned with translation, sometimes it's actually uh, with uh, specific with uh, bearing children, etc. But uh, just the the renewing of bodies. Uh, well, for for one thing, the atonement of Jesus Christ is is a renewal of bodies. You know, as we um, come to understand the, the power that is um, in each one of us and drawing on that, um, the atonement, that is a healing power. That is a renewal of the, our bodies and anything. It can be a tooth. It can be your heart. It can be an autoimmune disorder. It could be anything. If you, if you pray and you bring that power inside of your body to heal and to make new and to make whole that is available to all of us. It's unbelief that keeps us from accessing that power and drawing upon um, the priesthood as well as the atonement of Jesus Christ to heal within um, every single person is a healer. There isn't a specific healer or a gift that only specific people can have in healing. Every single person is a healer. There might be people who innately be our healers because that is what their gifts are and that is what guides them to understand healing but then really it's passing it on to everybody because everybody has healing within them we're told that in the scriptures many times that we can all receive that gift within us and that gift begins with the atonement of jesus christ and understanding that that power is is within us we should feel it in our breath circulating through our veins and through our body to heal and, and make whole again and so you know, the more that we think about it, concentrate on it and believe it and draw that power inward, the more we're blessed and protected and healed within our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
uh, in the, the last group, we talked a lot about President Nelson and, and just kind of went down all of the different ways and um, people that have mentioned how he uh, seems younger and, and rejuvenated, renewed. Um, some have even uh, actually described it as the renewing of, of his body, like uh, the quotes that they use, use that exact phrase. And, and we find that uh, renewing of the bodies is a, a common blessing that the Lord gives out um, to, to those that are willing to um, work and serve in his kingdom. Um, uh, to build up Zion. It's, it's not just like a selfish uh, gift, you know, that you take and, and hoard and it's the, uh, you know, the, the holy grail, the cup of life kind of a thing so that you can um, have all this power. It's, it's so that you can share uh, so that, you know, when you're 90 or 100 years old that you can still build Zion uh, more than just uh, sitting in your home and, and, and frail and feeble that uh, the renewing of the bodies is to, to further uh, God's plan here on, on the earth to gather children to, um, to him and, and the covenant path. Well, and going on with that, you know, you, to understand healing, you have to take it within your body, right? Like you don't, you can't just all of a sudden teach somebody or help somebody understand that that power is within them. If you don't even understand it yourself, or you've never experienced it or witnessed it within your body. And so it is something that is for everybody. And, um, that is when you can recognize righteous healers is when it's a gift for them to have a hundred percent. They don't need to keep relying on somebody to teach them and give them the healing. It's all within yourself. And so, um, it is within because it's, a, it's a struggle or, or a trial or a, a lesson that we have to learn and understand so that we can give and build up the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right, and then transitioning to um, the the whole Ishmael Isaac scenario here. I, I know that um, I've always had kind of an issue with this part of the story that you know I, I just don't fully understand it, so I'll, I just kind of push it off a lot of times. Um, but I, I love how um, E. Douglas Clark um, goes throughout uh, this this story here of the the great banquet and. Um, the, the apparent mocking, uh, even though that's a kind of a mistranslation or a, a, a inaccurate, uh, unfortunate translation, as he says here. Um, but what all did you learn from the um, the Isaac and Ishmael scenario and the eventual um, splitting apart of of that family? What principles can we learn from this story? How does it apply? How does it apply to the latter days um what what all did you uh, get from this section because it, it kind of seems a little um not like off-putting, like it just seems out of character for Sarah to just be like, oh, she sees these two boys and like, no, we got to kick them out of the house with, they, they got to be gone. And then God comes to Abraham and says, yeah, do what that, what Sarah says. She's a prophetess and, and et cetera. And I don't know, it just kind of seems a little jarring from all of the, the great things that Abraham and Sarah have been doing throughout all their life and the tests and trials that they've got. And then it just kind of seems a little uncharacteristic a little unchristlike in in this but um 
why why do you think it was necessary for the the two different families to to go their separate ways how is that building zion and how um will that play into god's role down the line cameron i don't have a quote on this but a lot of years ago i read i don't know this could be completely off the wall <laughs> you're good but I read that uh, Ishmael tried to kill Isaac, and he he was he saw him as a threat, as a to take over because he would be the, by the wife rather than by the handmaid, and up until then he thought he was going to inherit everything Abraham had, and then I. Long comes this new baby, and <laughs> that's a whole different story. But mm -hmm. I don't know if that's correct or not. I have no idea. It's just been many, many years, and so and mm -hmm. I don't even remember where I read it. And so, um, but yeah, that's an interesting yeah. point. I, I've never heard that before. But but that would definitely play into to some of the patterns, you know, like um, just uh, the next. Uh, well, two generations down with Joseph of Egypt, you know, that, that sibling rivalry and, and things that, you know, that, that plays out again in, in Israel's history. That, you know, the, the birthright son and, and just all of the feelings that come with family. Families are great, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I know in this book, uh, the interpretation of the words was that Sarah saw him pl playing with Isaac. And, uh, but Maybe, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe she saw him being too rough. Maybe, I don't know what the whole situation was. But um, I really do believe that there needed to be that separation because if the Muslim community is going to be the arm of the Lord at some time in the future prophecy, then... Uh, they needed to be separated. Mm -hmm. Elaine, I have heard that before. I don't remember where I read it, but I also have heard that before. So you're not the only one. Okay. <laughs> I, I hesitated to say something because I don't have a, a, a source to back it up, you know? Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it's like if you have, if you have two boys who both think that they're supposed to be the right. have the birthright you're gonna have some problems and you know mary maybe um sarah foresaw that and said all right let's separate them now before this gets out of hand mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it could turn into like an abel and cain situation if they're right. older and um they have more of the the anxiety and pressures behind that birthright stuff that, that's coming into play down the line. But yeah, it, very important to note that um, God uh, says that that uh, Sarah is a prophetess and, and she she knows what she's talking about. She's seen this. It was given to her in some way, shape or form. I would love to know the background story on, on what the Lord is talking about there. But that, you know, Sarah, all of the, the, the women, um, so Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, they all had very prophetic moments where they seem to do kind of uncharacteristic things that, you know, we, we like, what? 
<laughs> kind of a thing, but yet they they were all uh, following the Spirit, and and sometimes the, the the Lord directs them in unconventional ways to to bring about uh, the covenants that that God needs um, to to play out for for the well being of of all of His children. But well, yeah, when I read that, my my mind went directly to Adam and Eve mostly to Eve, um, you know, in the wisdom that she had to, um, learn and understand and know about partaking of the fruit and understanding everything that was in ingrained in that decision. And I mean, you have to think that that came with lots of, um, prayers and visitations and, yeah. Uh, inspiration to have fully grasped what those decisions were and why they were necessary. And I, I think, I feel that same, same understanding and knowledge with Sarah, especially being the prophetess, you know, I'm sure she had visions. I'm sure in that snap moment, the spirit testified to her and planted that seed deep in her heart, knowing that that's what had to happen. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like with Laban where they say one should, should die you know, instead of the whole nation to perish, it's kind of the same thing where like we yeah. need to divide now lovingly and just separate and, and go our different ways and expand individually. But I did relate that to Eve and her experience with what she had to go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Cameron, I also really liked the, what it taught us about Abraham and his that he traveled with them and that he took care of them and saw that they were to be okay and supplied them, you know, um, and, and that the relationship did not completely end there because as far as I'd always known, the relationship was completely over that Abraham never saw Ishmael again. And so God, you know, but it sounded like that maybe he did, and maybe he went on and taught him and and his some of his posterity. For sure, let's let's jump right into to that part because I, I think that that's so huge in telling of Abraham, like uh, you know, with our Sunday school lessons or whatever we're we're studying with Abraham, we often disassociate these. Like as soon as Hagar's gone, that's the end of it. Like, Ishmael and Hagar are, are dead to them kind of thing. But yet that's so uncharacteristic of Abraham, you know, it on, um, let's see, on page 197, the author calls Hagar a remarkable woman because she asked Abraham if God had commanded him to do this. When he answered the affirmative, this remarkable woman declared her faith in God and God's servant Abraham by courageously stating that she knew that God would take care of them. Like that's huge. And the fact that she followed the angel and came back the first time that, that she had fled away, like this isn't some wicked woman that, that needs to be completely cut off kind of thing. They just needed a, a division so that in the end times that these posterities, these two um, sons would, would be able to come back together and, and fight against the Antichrist kind of thing in the end times. I, I think that there's a huge lessons to be learned here about Abraham's role in setting up Ishmael and, and Hagar. And it's just amazing, this whole story that, that plays out and, and some that, you know, gets taken out of the scriptures. And, but we, we do have these um, 
further readings and things that are bringing about a, a more fuller picture that, that help us understand the true character and, and things behind these people. Now, Cameron, um, a question here, if I can. Um, I am on um, a Nook reading this, and I cannot get to the notes without a bit of difficulty. Uh -huh, yep. Guys, um, do you have a reference on that where some of that information came from? Um, that is a good question. I don't have it like readily off the top of my head, um, but uh, we have it in the Apocalypse of Abraham. It, it mentions it towards uh, the end, I believe. Um, and then in, uh, I believe, the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, contain a, a huge part of that as well. Okay. Uh, um, Hagar and, and that expulsion. Well, expulsion is okay. kind of the wrong word, but. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up. If I find more uh, stuff, I'll, I'll share that with you. Thanks. I will, I will look up some of that too. That might be a great question to ask E. Douglas when he comes on as well. He probably had it footnoted there if I'd look back and see. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, one of my questions for, for Brother Clark is, okay, so say I'm on a budget and I can only afford five books. What are your top five books that I should buy about Abraham to understand him? <laughs> this one looks like uh, it's got a great understanding to me. <laughs> you might only need one. <laughs> hey, Cameron. Yep. Um, this is off the subject. I just had dinner at some neighbor's houses and I said, I have to go because I've got this Abraham class. Mm -hmm. And um, one, my neighbor there said, um, ask about this facsimile that, um, so I'm so sorry if I'm going backwards. And if you've already talked about this, because I've missed two Zooms now. So I am so sorry to interrupt, but I'm so curious about this because Apparently, a lot of people are leaving the church because this facsimile, I think is the facsimile where, well, Joseph Smith found there was some, a mummy or something, and Joseph Smith said it was um, about Abraham, and then, and then it was in a fire, and then they found those papers again and in fragments, and they basically said it was all a recipe, and so um, it, it was not what Joseph Smith said, and so people are do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, I've never even heard this. So um, does anybody else know about this and what, so this, this family that I was eating dinner with, there was like saying, you know, they're, they're faithful in the church, but they're like, what is this about? What happened? And so I don't, if we don't have time to do this right now, we, you could email me about that after, if you know, you know, I just, um, I told them I would see if anybody knew about that and bring it back to them. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping that we get into the facsimiles. Yeah. You would like to? Well, you, yes. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really uh, planning on it uh, more than uh, just kind of the, the brief overview that's in the book. But I mean, we definitely can go into all the facsimiles. Uh, it's interesting to like facsimile number two is just uh, amazing. I, I love uh, reading and, and learning it with all of its symbols. But um. So yes, I, I, I know a little bit about the history, but not enough to be like a conclusive um, 
thing about it. Um, I, I took a class from Matthew Gray and he talked about the whole history that you're talking about there with uh, the fire and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, one thing to, to look up in the proper sources because there's a lot of misinformation out there, but yeah. the Kinderhook plates are, are a huge thing that, that play into to a lot of people leaving the church over that. Kinder, um, called Kinderhook plates? Yeah, Kinderhook. Oh, and is that like incorrect information? What people people are jumping on as, and then they read that, and then it misleads them. Uh huh. Yeah. So if they're misunderstanding the Kinderhook plates, then it can really get people off. Um, I, oh. But I, I can't just speak of it like off the top of my head. I'm having a hard time remembering it. Um, but I'll, I'll look at my notes from that class from Matthew Gray at Education Week. Um, okay. But that was a great class on on the misinformation about. Uh, some of that stuff, that, that fire. Um, yeah, I'll, I, it'll be something that I'll uh, go to, to my notes and sources and, and find out that stuff for you. But um, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll email that over. Okay, that'd be great. And I have always wanted to study the facsimile and understand it. I did, I think I had it in seminary. I mean, that would be 40 years ago. <laughs> and then, um, and maybe a BYU class 35 years ago or 36 or something, you know what I mean? So I don't remember anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that would be a, a great uh, thing to do. Um, so yeah, let me uh, see exactly what we do about that. If we have like a specific class time or if I just make like a video about it and share it with people or I don't know, we'll figure out something and, and, and do that okay. with the um, different facsimiles. I think those will be fun. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for for bringing that up. Um, yeah. Uh, the one thing that came out at the first of the class uh, today was talking about Abraham when he went into Egypt mm -hmm. and uh, said that his Sarah was his sister. He was commanded to do that. The Lord told him to do that to save his life. Uh, it's in Abraham. Oh, what? That's right. In the book of Abraham. Yeah, and... Chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and Sarah was his sister. She yeah. was. Yeah. She was his sister. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I forget exactly where, which chapter that that talks about it, but with um, the... Uh, the account when they go into Egypt with that same scenario, um, it, it talks about that whole why he actually was um, the brother of, of Sarah kind of thing and talks about that relationship there. Uh, I'm just trying to find it right off the top of my pages. Yeah. Well, chapter two, verse 24, the Lord tells, um, the Lord tells them, he says, let her say unto the Egyptians, she is thy sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is like uh, 60 or 70 years prior to, to this one that is talking about in this chapter. It happens again to them. Oh, thank you yeah. for that, Terry. Yeah. Um, so wait, are you looking for the clarification on her being his sister? Yeah, I was, and then I was like, "Wow, well, I'm taking too much time," and so I'm popping back. <laughs> My notes. I know in there was slim pickings, but I, I, if you had more information, I would love to <laughs> understand. Yeah. So, um, uh, chapter five is where is it? Chapter five. 
yeah so abraham in egypt that chapter five um it talks about where um they they confront that same thing and they're commanded that uh she should say that uh she is his sister etc um and it's the the dream of the uh cedar and the date palm i believe um at that time that that he gets that revelation and and why he should do that etc um so um we were uh, going over ishmael and the the expulsion there and how abraham was instrumental in um fostering ishmael even after um, they were separated from the family and so we have lots of interesting details here how he goes and and actually builds a temple with ishmael and um they they set up that that, that city in the desert um uh, a place of security and it talks about the, the dedicatory prayer, et cetera. Um, but I found all of that very interesting. How, um, you know, he's the great temple builder throughout all of uh, this chapter here. Uh, he's building the temple in Beersheba. He's building the temple for Ishmael. He, he just goes on like this um, temple building excursion here. He's just setting it all up. Um, but we know that temples can't operate without the priesthood and so it, it really uh, begs the question of uh, what priesthood did Ishmael have and and how long did it stay amongst him and his posterity um, you know like with, with the Israelites we we definitely uh, lost it into degrees and then uh, with the whole great apostasy etc but with Ishmael uh, I, I don't I'm not very versed in um, the, the Quran or, or, or Muslim um, scripture or history there. Um, but if anyone ever had any insights on that, I, I would love uh, to, to know about their kind of priesthood authority and, and things that they believe um, in, in that light. Uh, because, you know, temples serve a, a very high and holy purpose. And, and uh, we know that the, the Muslims travel to, to Mecca, uh, the Hajj that they perform uh, the, at least once in their life, where they, they, they make it there and, and complete those seven circuits around the, uh, the, the temple there in, in Mecca, uh, the, the Kaaba. Uh, very interesting history. I've been watching like little snippets of YouTube videos and stuff, but I don't have any like definitive sources and stuff on that. I, I, that's another uh, round of my questions for, for E. Douglas when, when he comes on is uh, some of that insights that, that he has there into that community and, and the role of Ishmael and, and his posterity. It, it also seems like, but I could be wrong, but you know, when you talk about Mecca, it seems like that was where the well that Hagar went to when she first fleed and the angel came to her. It seems like that's the place of that, but I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. That would be a, a very interesting connection there. I think you're right. I don't know for sure, but it seemed like I've read something to indicate that before. Seems like it. It seems like I, I've heard something that 
on their way to the temple, like modern day, on, on their Hajj, when they're uh, doing the pilgrimage, that they actually stop at the well and, and remember Hagar and the, the blessings that happened right oh, the well. So maybe it's part of the, the trip there, the pilgrimage there, not necessarily at. Well, I'm not sure if it's like right at the temple, but I know that it's an important thing that people stop at. And, and it might be like right next to the temple. It might be in the next city over. I don't know. I, I don't know the history on it at all. But yeah, I, it would be hard to find out. I'll, I'll try to look that up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a very interesting connection. Um, so yeah, and then we, we dive into uh, Abraham actually building this, uh, this Beersheba up uh, into a, a visitor center of, of sorts, a, a temple, if you will. Um, he, he builds it very symbolically, four gates on each side so that wherever <laughs> they can uh, uh, come and, and renew uh, and, and receive the charity of Abraham and Sarah there. I, I just love the description of it, all of the different things, the gardens, the orchards, the vineyards, everything that they planted there um, to become this oasis in, in the middle of um, the, the desert, the spiritual desert for people. So that people, it even had a pool there, legend has it, that, that they would perform the, the baptisms in as they were coming and wanting to make covenants with the Lord. Um, I just found it so interesting because we know that temples are prototypes of the Garden of Eden. Everything about a temple points us back to Eden, to garden motifs. And so why would this be any different? Abraham's planting gardens, beautifying, uh, making that, that a place like Eden, um, as we're going back into God's presence. Um, and I think it was significant, Cameron, that it was a walled garden, but with three gates on each side. You know, mm -hmm. that, that, that was pretty, for the 12 tribes, that's pretty. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the future Jerusalem temple as well. Yeah, they, it, they didn't, the 12 tribes didn't exist yet, but the Lord yeah. knew they were going to. <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. well, and before we get into the wells too much i loved in the beginning where it says four gates um and the cosmic city at Bathsheba, um page 199 um how it talks about how abraham was criticized he was made fun of ridiculed and you know really really um i think cut down by his care or you know like by the, pe the people around and this part really stood out to me, and I think it's something that we are going to be faced with as Latter-day Saints in the upcoming days, and that this is a type and a shadow of what is to come for each of us, and to know and to understand where we're going to stand when, when this kind of ridiculing comes. We are going to be, and we are, a, I am a peculiar person. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I am very peculiar, um, you know, but peculiar people are going to be ridiculed. And I love the part where it says, Abraham would risk his reputation for righteousness. I was um, It was one of the many ironies of his life and a sacrifice he was willing to make. It also is an indication of the depth of his testimony for as explained in the lectures of faith, for a man who lay down his all, his character and reputation, his honor and applause, his good name among men, his house, his lands, his brothers and sisters, his wife, his children, and even his own life, also, counting all, 
things but filth and dross for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ requires more than mere belief or um, supposition that he is doing the will of God, but an actual knowledge, realizing that when these sufferings are ended, he will enter into the rest and be a partaker of the glory of God. And that just gives me chills from head to toe and such a beautiful comfort knowing that, you know, if we, if we fight and we persevere and we push on, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what we lose, no matter what the sacrifice, um, we will be taken care of and enter into the rest of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's another divine law right there. Whatever the Lord takes away, uh, he, he more than doubles it back uh, eventually. All right. So um, just kind of jumping forward just a little bit to the homework assignment for next week. Uh, as I said, we are kind of doing different um, take on the homework assignments instead of uh, things to study, it's things to actually implement. So this week, um, uh, I invite you to, to take the Beersheba principle and put it into action. And um, as President Nelson and, and others ha have talked about building sanctuaries of faith, how do we implement these principles in our sanctuary of faith? Um, I invite you to, to pray and study and, and try to seek to, to hear him for specific ways that the Lord would like you to improve or renovate your sanctuary of faith to better reflect this Beersheba principle, where it's a, an open visitor center for people to come to seek refuge, learning, um, a house of faith, uh, all of these different things that are, are presented here in this chapter in reference to, to Beersheba. As we talk about... Um, uh, the, the end page here on page 205, um, that Abraham had seen in, in vision the future descent of Enoch's glorious city of Zion. And the closer we look at what Abraham built in Beersheba, the more it reflects that city, not only as it was first built on earth, but also as it will come again when the earth will receive her paradisiacal glory. And when, as Brigham Young said, Zion will extend all over this earth, it will all be Zion and how we can individually start bringing that to pass, uh, whether it's to, um, uh, to, to plant a garden, to incorporate certain things into our house, whether to remove certain things from our house, whatever it takes, but um, listen to the Lord, seek personal revelation on this experience, and, and, and what does the Lord need you to do in your home, in your property, in order to make it a, a, a more holy, sanctified place where, where he can dwell and where he can bring people to, um, to receive the, the blessings uh, that through you, Christ needs to, to extend to them. Does that make sense? I kind of butchered that uh, invitation, but um, uh, homework to, to implement the Beersheba principle. <laughs> I wouldn't say you necessarily butchered it, Cameron. It, <laughs> it's hard to explain, but I think you did a great job. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know that that's something definitely that, that I struggle with is um, 
I, I'm kind of a hermit homebody type of person. I, I don't necessarily, uh, I'm not outgoing. I, I live in a little town. Uh, you know, it's kind of a hard principle for me to, to really uh, embrace. But um, as said in a previous chapter, that um, if if the poor don't come to your house, you're to seek them out and bring them in. And then here where it's talking about that this is a an open facility, it has gates where where everybody is welcome to, to come and, and enjoy and 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 learn. I, I'm con I'm trying to cultivate this this house into uh, a sanctuary of faith of learning. I, I'm building up my my book library and and all of these things, but but I, I lack kind of the the motivation to to get out and, and invite people. So uh, you know, in a small way, I, I feel that you know, like our Zoom groups are kind of virtually doing this. Um, but I definitely need to put it into practice in a more physical way with with those that are are needing um, an introduction to the gospel, uh, uh, to to do more missionary work and, and things like that, rather than than just the the easy way of uh, perfecting the saints. Where um, I don't know, I just kind of put it out there, and then everybody kind of uh, flocks in and, and wants to learn about Abraham, kind of a thing. It, it seemed very easy that way, <laughs> where well, I need to stretch further and, and do more. Cameron, I really, really beg to differ with you because I think that's exactly what you are doing through this Zoom. And it's exciting to me to get a little more in depth because it's very hard sometimes to find someone in our small communities that wants to go deeper into things and this class has been wonderful for me to do that. Yeah, I, I've loved it so much. And I hope I'm not wearing people out by like diving right into Isaiah next. I, I'm so excited to uh, keep it going and, and all of the, the great insights. We have quite a few more people that are hopefully uh, signed up. You know, we'll, we'll see if they actually uh, materialize, but um, uh, to come in for, for the Isaiah discussions and, and start with, with that. Um, I didn't sign up for anything. Is there something I'm supposed to do to sign up or do we get to roll over? Exactly. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> it's, it's a very exclusive club. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just assumed everybody in the Abraham club would, would continue on if you want to, okay. if not, I'm still going to send you all the emails about it. But um, uh, yeah, I, I put it on uh, Jody's page and also I think on the Gathering of Israel page, um, where we were doing the Isaiah thing and um, welcomed anybody. And I had probably like 20 or 30 people uh, email and say that they would be interested in starting that in April. Great. So would you be, do we need to sign up or like what she said, can we roll over? Do we, could we keep, are you going to do a Sunday at eight again or? Uh -huh, yeah. Oh, so um, yeah, let's. Let's go there. I need to find my chart really quick. So um, really quick, just any final thoughts on this chapter? And while I'm finding my my Isaiah schedule, I'll pop that up at the end and kind of discuss the schedule of that. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, Cameron, you are gathering. And even if it looks a little bit different than what you think <laughs> it is supposed to look like, it is still gathering. Um, and mm -hmm. it does look different this year, especially with COVID and you know all the different opinions out there gathering you know through technology is the best way right now so you are a gatherer and um you know don't don't take that away because what you're doing is incredible 
Yeah. I just feel like I need to be doing more like missionary work rather than uh, some of the the easy stuff I do. This is missionary <laughs> work. <laughs> for you, this might be easy. For some of us that are technological idiots, it's not particularly easy. So we appreciate you doing this. And this is missionary work. You know, everybody's still in their process of conversion, even yeah. members you know, and answering questions and strengthening testimonies is, is missionary work. And missionary work looks like the person you see at the grocery store that needs help or just spreading your love and light everywhere you go. It doesn't have to necessarily look like a lesson from beginning to end, you know? Mm -hmm. And Cameron, the, is there some place that these are, um, you've recorded these are, our discussions, these Zoom discussions, right? I've missed a few and I actually want to go backwards. I am so behind on my reading. I, I kind of need to start from the beginning, <laughs> you know, and just get on uh, your recorded Zoom. So I wanted to know about that too, uh -huh. uh, where I can go to just listen while I'm driving in the car or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. so busy. Um, yeah, I do have a list of those as I'm uh, posting them. I'm keeping them private so that, you know, uh, everybody's face isn't just out there on YouTube kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, um, my plan, uh, anybody can have them right now. Uh, I'll email you those, but I was just planning on once the, the whole thing is done, I'm going to have all of those links uh, laid out easy so that I can just uh, forward that on to, to people. But um yeah, I, I'm more than willing to, to share those out right now, uh, what we've got so far uploaded. Um, I didn't record chapters one and part of two, but after that, I've, I've got all the different groups. Okay, thank you so much. All right, so um, and, here is and the... you would give us the, uh, yeah, the Isaiah books that you suggested again last time. I'd appreciate it, that. Uh -huh, yeah, for sure. So um, I, we did change the, the structure, Katrina, from what I had uh, originally put out there. Okay. So this is the, the new schedule because um, my original idea was that we would have three different classes and, and things. And, and it, anyway, it just people wanted it more like this book club uh, where we are all discussing the exact same thing and we have the three different sessions on it. So um, that we're just continuing on. We're just studying a different book, but the same format. Okay. Except for the fact that uh, the Tuesday group moves to Wednesdays, uh, just because my, my Tuesdays have, have gotten kind of crazy. So um, uh, Sundays at 6 p.m., Sundays at 8 p.m., and Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And so for the first nine weeks, we are going to be studying Isaiah Decoded. And then after that, we are going into um, the actual text of Isaiah and, and reading it using the, the Bifid structure uh, that Avraham uh, talks about a lot in his uh, research and, and findings and things. So um, yeah, Isaiah Decoded is diving into the deep end so that we can kind of see what's beneath the surface and then going into the actual text of Isaiah and, and, and filtering it out. So it kind of seems a little bit reverse, but I figured that if we were to just dive right into Isaiah's words right off the bat, it would, uh, it would kind of, uh, I don't know, I, it, I think we would 
find ourselves wanting to go back to the the words of Isaiah afterward and and seeing the Isaiah decoded stuff. So anyway, this is the way that I I, I present that I think it'll be a, a, an amazing way for us to learn. So Isaiah decoded, uh, just if anybody does isn't familiar with it, Isaiah decoded is about how to ascend the ladder to heaven. This is um, the the hidden mysteries in Isaiah are about this this ladder and, and ascension to heaven, how to become translated, etc. So it is a definitely a deeper class. And then when we go to the book of Isaiah, it's more of the how he presents the the different uh, metaphors and and types and shadows and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, who wrote Isaiah decoded? Uh, Avraham Gileadi. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is an excellent scholar. Um, one thing that I am trying really hard to do, because I'm just getting new to uh, Avraham and the Isaiah Institute and everything, but I, I find that in the past, whenever I heard Avraham Gileadi, um, it, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because it seemed like they were very much idolizing the guy and and not so much Isaiah kind of a thing. And so I was always shying away from it. Like, yeah. oh, things are a little weird. But um, I, we're going to be presenting it with his research, but really focusing on the prophet Isaiah. I don't want it to, to get to, to a weird point. Good. I've thought the same too, thing, so I'm glad. Uh -huh. okay. Yeah, we definitely have our different fan clubs in the uh, in the more awake uh, groups. You know, like some people are about John Pontius and everything he says is absolute truth. And then there's like, that's also kind of off-putting. Like, I, I know that Spencer had his visions and all of that, but at the same time, we got to go with like prophetic revelation too and and not disregard some of that kind of thing. And so I, I want us to, to always take... Um, these commentaries, even though these are great, you know, like E. Douglas Clark, I'm, I'm so grateful for everything that he has done, but you know, we're, we're, we're not setting these people up as idols because idolatry is the huge downfall of the children of Israel in the last days. And so I want to steer clear from that, but you know, they, they have done some amazing work and, and we're studying some of their commentaries, but I want us to, to always focus in on the actual scriptures and, and prophecies as well. Cameron, I've been to Avraham's presentations, oh, really? all the ones he did um, here before the lockdown, and then <laughs> seen all the ones that they've done after the lockdown. Um, mm -hmm. If there is anybody who would definitely not want to be idolized, it's Avraham, yeah. because he is, he is very, very um, adamant that we need to get rid of our idols, that we need to get yeah. rid of idolizing the things of Babylon and everything. And so just. Oh, shoot. you froze again. But yeah. Yeah, my internet is really bad today. Oh, you're good. <laughs> and there you froze again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that because I don't know, I, I guess I just um, get some of my, my introductions from the wrong people or something. I don't know. I, I uh, Oh man, I, 
I don't know what everybody else's uh, awakening kind of looked like and stuff, but my first, first introduction to it was Julie Rowe. And oh man, did that really ruin me on a lot of things. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, whatever, uh, uh, there's parts, yes. But um, anyway, and, and then I got kind of introduced into to John Pontius and then um, some other things anyway. And then I just dropped everything because I wasn't secure in what I was studying and uh, there's a lot of information flooding at me all of a sudden and so I was just like ah, I'm backing away from everything I, I can't handle it um, but then I got some good tutors and and things that, that kind of led me like okay here's who you trust here's who you don't trust this is what you do kind of thing and and so I I definitely kind of want to be um, helping in that way kind of being a catalyst and like okay here's the bad things here's the good things let's but stay safe over here kind of thing. But yeah, that's good to know about Avraham and stuff. I, I'm totally new to him. I've watched one of his things just recently and um, I'm uh, in one of his other book club things. So yeah, it, it's all new, but it's like, holy cow, Isaiah decoded. This is some amazing information. I'm so excited to get into that. He has some video vignettes. Um, there are seven of them that really help you if you watch those they really help you visualize the things that Isaiah is talking about today oh. is there a way you could Cameron put those have her put those on can you put those on um your emails to us Cameron uh-huh yeah um let me write that down so the vignettes I, I'm assuming they're they're free or are those like a paid thing that's like some... the, I, they are free. Um, they generally have them on the Isaiah Institute website. They may be on YouTube. Um, I the never... Isaiah Institute website, the link to that would be nice too. Okay. okay. Yeah. But those vignettes are really good. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, uh, so uh, in reference to some of the books that I was talking about going through, Isaiah Decoded, that's the only one that's like required. I mean, we're going to be going through it chapter by chapter. Um, but let me pull up my other ones real quick. So um, look who we got this weekend. Oh, you got it too. Yes. <laughs> Twins. Um, yeah. <laughs> Opening Isaiah is a great book because it goes through um, column by column. And so the same verse in the King James Version versus the Dead Sea Scrolls versus the Book of Mormon, etc., and compares all of the different translations and, and things like that. But I found Avraham, well, I don't know if it's Avraham, but somebody that um, uh, follows what he does, like this amazing internet tool that, that goes through all of his translations and stuff. I'll, I'll show that when we get into the class. But um, anyway, those are, are, are great. And then... Um, Cameron, he also has a verse-by-verse -verse commentary on Isaiah available yeah. online. Oh, yes. Verse-by-verse, wow. mm -hmm. chapter-by-chapter. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, send that to um, Andrea. Isaiah made simple. Oh, hey, Cameron, what was the, who is the author of Opening Isaiah? Opening Isaiah is Anne Madsen and Sean Hopkin. Okay. 
Yeah, Ann Madsen does a lot of great work with, with Isaiah. Okay, and then that one you just held up was what again? Uh -huh. Isaiah, Isaiah made, made Simple by Avraham Gileadi. So this one goes into some of the, the literary structures, the chiastic things that, that are in there. And then um, Visualizing Isaiah by uh, Donald Perry. Um, it goes through kind of the, the history and lands. So it goes through like the agricultural elements of Israel, the uh, archeological finds, the daily life of uh, the Israelites, etc., with maps, charts, all that kind of stuff. It just helps you visualize what Isaiah is talking about. And um, somebody pointed out that um, Avram also has some stuff coming out on uh, visualizing Isaiah as well sometime later this year. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that I highly recommend. Um, but anyway, any last uh, kind of comments or anything about Abraham? Um, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Uh, if anybody wants to stick around, I have that cool Isaiah study tool um, that I'll, I'll show you real quick. But yeah, um, yeah. any last comments on, on Abraham before we head out? Sorry for keeping everyone so long. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, I got a question, not on Abraham, but the uh, Isaiah curriculum schedule. Can mm -hmm. you post that in the group? Can I, like, on the Learning Zion site, you're saying? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I'll post that on there. I was going to do it last week, and it totally slipped my mind. But, yeah, I, I've got to do that this week and put it on there and, and erase the old schedule. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh, yeah. Sure. Um, let me pull up this. Okay, so I sorry, I'm just navigating to this website real quick. It's um, Isaiah.scripture.guide. Let me type that in real quick. Isaiah. guide. Um, and then I will screen share it real quick. So this is something that I just found this week, because as I was trying to create the slides with all of the different translations and stuff I wanted on it, I was like, Heavenly Father, there's got to be a better way. And then it was like, boom, here's this link and go. And it, anyway, it was just amazing. So um, Isaiah Explorer is a tool that they've created to look at all of the different ways to look at Isaiah. It, it's, it's so complex and so amazing uh, that it'll, it'll take me literally a lifetime to, to find out all of the different things. Um, but each column from left to right gets a little bit more in depth into the structure. So on the left-hand side, you see chapters one through 66. And as you're scrolling down, it's, uh, it highlights each chapter in blue. And then on the, the next column, it goes and, and breaks the chapters down a little bit further into their chunks. And then it goes into the actual text. So as you are um, scrolling through the text here, it's highlighting in yellow on all three columns there. If you see it, it moves and shows you exactly where you're at in the book of Isaiah. And then um, as you're clicking on, on any of the verses, in the final column on the far right hand side, it shows that verse 
and you can play the audio of the verse, play Avraham's commentary on that verse. Uh, you can read the commentaries. Um, you can read Avraham Gileadi's commentary. You can read it out of the Institute Manual, the Calvin, Henry, Clark, Benson, all these different commentaries on those verses. And then what you can do is also um, look at the different translations side by side. So you can look at the King James version of that verse, the uh, NSRV, the NIV, etc., and change those. Um, and uh, anyway, just compare all the different translations. It's amazing. Another thing that you can do is click on the, the Aleph up in the corner, and it brings up the actual Hebrew of um, the verse, and you can look at the lexicon. Um, so when it says his peoples, you click on peoples, and then it brings up every time that that Hebrew word is used throughout Isaiah and highlights all of those over in blue on, on the other columns there. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's translated as nations, etc. Um, and then if you uh, click on facsimile, it'll actually bring up the actual Hebrew document uh, on the scrolls, and you can read through um, those as well and, and see the original um, facsimiles there. Um, another interesting uh, thing in everything is tagged very well, and anytime you see one of these tags that has a cross in it, it brings up the chiasm viewer. So you click on that, and if you're familiar with chiasms at all, they go A, B, C, uh, and, and then backwards C, B, A. And so like this chiasm goes A, B, C, D, E, D, C, B, A. And um, it brings up those verses side by side so that you can compare the different uh, parts and structures of the chiasms very easily. Uh, anyway, it's just the most amazing Isaiah Explorer. Like, I, I, I don't know. I found it this week, and it was just like, oh, thank goodness somebody's done this so I don't have to, like, create slides and things. But then it started, I started diving into it, and it's like, oh, my word, this is amazing. Um, if you go into the structural sections, just this is my last thing that I'm kind of showing. Um, but in uh, the different structures, you can study different people's studies on, on the thing. So uh, Avraham's, his seven-part uh, structure, you can click on that, and it goes through all the different parts, uh, the seven different parts of Isaiah that Avraham has studied. So part one is about ruin and rebirth. Part two is about rebellion and compliance, etc. But you can change that. Um, so say you're wanting to look at the Ugaric uh, ba uh, Baal cycle. It goes through there, through apostasy, judgment, restoration, salvation. Uh, you can go through the, the hero journey, departure, initiation, and return. Uh, you, anyway, it's just so many different people have studied Isaiah, and it just goes through all of these different ways to study it. Uh, allegiance, idolatry, and persecution. Uh, Isaiah is so multifaceted. It's so complex. Um, and I think that there's... I don't know, we're, we're going to be studying this for forever, uh, through the millennium, I believe, like all of the different things that, that are playing out uh, in the prophecies of, of Isaiah. Uh, uh, anyway, that, that's just a, a quick teaser into how we're going to be studying Isaiah in the, the second half of, of that semester. Yep. You can't tell that I'm excited about it at all, I don't, you know. <laughs> So incredible.
All right. Well, any <laughs> final thoughts? I we, we got real. Maybe Isaiah for like a fourth grader, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> me too. Yeah. But I could just do that, you know, just to get uh, a little, you know, Isaiah for dummies, d double dummies before we start our class. That's yeah. what I need, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, actually, if you, uh, um, are wanting to, to kind of do some of that. This Isaiah Made Simple one from Avraham okay. uh, goes through some great tips and, and things for um, beginning, getting your mind in the right mindset for, for some of these others. So okay. yeah, Isaiah decoded. We're, we're kind of diving into the deep end, but I think you'll be able to handle it just fine. Uh, but if you're wanting to, to kind of start from now until then, uh, Isaiah Made Simple would be a great reference. Okay. Book. Perfect. And they are, I just Googled them and I can order them online, right? Or do I need to go to Deseret Book? Um, I'm actually not sure if Deseret has them. I'm, I, I think most of them are produced directly from his uh, Hebraist press. So IsaiahInstitute.com. I'll type that in the chat. Institute. They are also available on, Audi on Audible. On Audible, so, uh, Amazon, you can buy them. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So you can you can listen to somebody read it to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was just got, and you, have you done that? Do you like the reader, Nancy? Oh yeah, yeah. I've listened to it already. Um, I've I I actually have two copies because <laughs> I forgot that I had it and I bought it again when I went to one of his things. <laughs> I have probably six books by Avraham. Okay. Um, but the the audible version is very good mm -hmm. yeah i probably want to listen and read i'll probably get both mm -hmm. uh, yeah okay very good yeah they have some really good packages on their website where you can get this book and a couple of others um they have a bunch of them you know end time prophecy the end from the beginning um kings and queens uh, hold on. I haven't heard of any of these. Um, okay. There is the end from the beginning. Who's that by? These are all by Avraham. This oh. is the apocalyptic vision of Isaiah with the Isaiah translation. Okay. There is end time prophecy, a Judeo-Mormon analysis. So this is more of um, tying, I think, Isaiah and uh, Book of Mormon together. Okay. Modern idolatry and the end of the world. Oh my goodness. It's a teeny That's tiny a little, thing. Yeah, it's a tiny one. It's a good read. It's a tiny one. Another tiny one, um, Becoming Kings and Queens of the Gentiles. I've read that one. I love it. That's another one. Yeah, the, a lot of these are actually on Audible as well. And then there's The Last Days, Types and Shadows from the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Okay. So all right. I mean, these are all on I Google Learning Zion. Is that correct? Um, um, IsaiahInstitute.com. No, no, no. Isaiah Institute. Yeah, these are all written by Avraham. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. I told you I've been to a few of his things. <laughs> Which is great. I, I need I'm glad to have <laughs> I also have the Isaiah Made Simple, but I think it's downstairs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. 
So um, it, it, listen to this. Listen to this as you read it. Okay. Yeah, it's so good. Who is the author of Visualizing Isaiah? Uh, Visualizing Isaiah is Donald W. Perry. Okay, thank you. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right. Any other questions? I mean, we're <laughs> we're throwing out everything at this point. <laughs> if not, we'll we'll go ahead and disband. Thanks everyone for for showing up and uh, adding to our our classes. I, I'm so uh, grateful for for everyone's insights and, and things that we shared during our our studies together. It's it's so fun. I, I look forward to it each week. But yeah, uh, we will see everyone next week. Thank anyway. you so much, Cameron. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Right. Okay.